Hey, this is Brian Bowden from Inside the Goblin Universe and Nobo Booby, which stands for Nobody But Me, and you're listening to Cat Ward and Paranormal Heart. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart. I'm your host, Kat Ward. You can find new episodes on the second and last Sunday of each month on Podbean, YouTube, and now on Fringe Radio Network, and as usual, any place you find, find podcast. If you've had paranormal encounters you'd like to share, you can either be a guest on the show, or you can submit them in writing, and I'll be happy to narrate your story. And if you'd like to have your very own free Paranormal Heart podcast car sticker, Just drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to mail one to you. Folks, I'd like to give a shout-out to some friends of mine, Andrea, Jen, Angie, Lorianne, and Carla of Unearthing Shadows Paranormal and Paradventure Entertainment. Andrea and her team have been so supportive of the show, and I just want to thank them all. If you want to check them out, you can find them on Instagram or head on over to their website, I'll add the links in the show notes so it's easier for you to find. And we may be doing a little bit of a new segment on the show with these ladies as well, so stay tuned for that. In episode 67, my guest is no stranger to the show. He's been on once or twice. And here to discuss his psychic awakening and various fascinating paranormal encounters that include communication with family members through a method called tipping table, UFOs and Bigfoot, I give you founder of Broxville Paranormal Society and director of New York State UFO Project and the New York State Dogman Project, the ever-busy Al Santariga. Hey Al, welcome back to Paranormal Heart. Hi Kat, it's been a long time. That it has. I didn't think it was that long, but when you messaged me uh, last night, it's like, oh my, it has been a while. <laughs> oh yeah, it's been, been a long time. Absolutely. Yeah, we've we've talked about having you uh, back on, and um, so I'm happy that you messaged me, and here you are again. Thank you. Well, you, you know what it was, too? I took a year off. Yeah. So, and then from the last time I did it to now, it's probably been at least another year. So it's been two years in the making. So, wow. you know. It has yeah. been a while. Holy Hannah. Yeah, it's been like two years. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand you've been... Up to no good. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of a lot of research. Um, I hate to use the word researcher because I'm really not a researcher. I'm more an investigator uh, and an experiencer. But mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of research. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I had I had this happen to me. Um, I call it an awakening. Um, but everybody I know that's into the metaphysical mm-hmm. calls it an ascension. So uh, let me start with this experience. Please I'm do, sleeping yeah. in. I'm sleeping in my bed. It's the last 
January or February, we got 18 inches of snow outside. Sleeping in my bed, and I, I, I think, at least I believe at the time, that I was dreaming. And something takes me out of my bed, right? And it's guiding me up towards the heavens. Now, we're on this rainbow bridge, for lack of a better definition. The colors of this bridge, which is so pure, so rich. I mean, so deep. You, you, can't, you can't, even, can't even explain how rich and beautiful these colors were, right? So I don't know what's guiding me. It's, whatever it is, it's behind me. It's pushing me up. And we're going up towards the stars and the heavens. And I hear this voice in my head tell me, tonight I'm going to sh tell you the secret to life and the secret to the universe. They're one and the same. So I'm like, okay, right? I don't know what's going on. And uh, as we're going up and up, I'm seeing mathematical equations going by me that I have no idea what they were, just mathematical equations. I'm seeing all kinds of music notes going by me. And then all of a sudden I start seeing people like Tesla and Bach and Einstein, Beethoven. And I'm like, what? the hell is going on where the hell am i going and we keep going out like to deep space and we're going out we're going out so at some point uh, as we're passing all of this information and all of these um geniuses from the you know the 20th century um i say okay you know what's the secret to the universe what's the secret to life and he says the first there's three things they tell me the first thing is vibration right is that okay and then we start to descend we're coming down now and i can see the earth below me we're like we're coming down we're gliding down and we're getting closer to the earth and i'm saying okay what's number two you know yeah and this is the second thing is frequency frequency and vibration okay and i'm like okay and now i can see my house and like i'm going back around i'm thinking oh man i'm gonna wake up in my bed and i'm not gonna know the third <laughs> thing i'm freaking out right and i'm like dude you got to tell me you got to tell me what the, the third thing and he says the last thing is consciousness frequency vibration and consciousness said all the knowledge this is what this voice is telling all the knowledge that's ever ever was ever has been is in the universe for us to tap into that's what this voice is telling me and i'm like okay and i guess the reason why he showed me all of these geniuses because they all said it came from a higher consciousness you know they all said it wasn't me who wrote it it was i tapped into something something but he gave me this you know um, fifth symphony or whatever you know mm -hmm. or the equation to um whatever uh, einstein had relativity so, all right, so as I'm going down, now I'm going back into my bed, and I say, man, this is the craziest. I'm talking to this entity behind me that I can't see, and I say, man, this is the craziest dream I ever had. And he stops me, and we stop in midair, and he says, this is not a dream. He said, when the snow melts, you'll see the signs. And I said, okay. So now I wake up the next morning, and I go, man, that was, that was wild. You know, I got to call Brian. I got to tell him this is yeah. crazy. So Brian says, oh, when the snow melts, you know, let me know what you find, right? And I call Brian, tell him about it. And three, four weeks go by and the snow starts to smelt. And they said that this, I will see the sign in my yard. Now I've got two yards. i got an immediate backyard. Then i got a, a further backyard that's all woods. So 
I'm walking around the yard looking for a sign. I don't know what I'm looking for, right? And I, so I go into the far backyard, the woods, and there around the tree, and I'm not even sure what kind of tree it is. I don't know if it's a maple tree or an oak tree or whatever it is, <clears throat> are quartz crystal stones set up in a circle around the tree. Wow. I don't know where these stones came from. They're all the size of bowling balls. Mm -hmm. I don't know where. I tried to send you a picture of them. I couldn't find it. I know I took pictures of it. When I find them, I'll um, I'll, I'll send them to you Please, again yeah. because um, um, I, I know I got them somewhere. They may be on my little um, Sony camera. Mm -hmm. But um, so I see these quartz crystal stones set up in, a, in a, a circle around this tree. I don't have any quartz crystal stones in my yard. My neighbors don't have them on either side of me. I don't know where they come from. I've been in the woods behind my house. We have 100 acres with my son as a kid hunting with the BB guns and stuff. I've mm -hmm. never seen any quartz crystal stones. I don't know where they came from. So as I'm standing there looking at it, something like a, a voice in my head says, touch the stone. So I touch the stone. And the stone, I can feel like energy coming out of the stone. And then the voice says, now touch the tree. So I touched the stone and I touched the tree and I could feel the energy go through my arm, out the other arm, into the tree. And the tree felt like it was vibrating or like, I don't want to say it had a heartbeat, but it was mm -hmm. vibrating. So I call our favorite alien tramp and I say, what, what the hell, what, what am I supposed to do with this circle? And he says, it's a, it's a meditation circle. He says, you sit on the stones, you lean against the tree and you, Make sure your feet are grounded to Mother Earth while you're on a stone and your back is against a tree and all three are connected. He says, and then you can meditate. And he says, whenever you want an, uh, to tap into the knowledge, the secret knowledge of the universe, this is where you got to go. And he goes, dude, I don't know what happened. He says, but he goes, you are totally different now. He goes, you've just had an ascension. And he goes, now, when you go out on investigations, before you go, it's not enough to just protect yourself like you've always done. He says, now you have to ground yourself first. He says, because your aura is like a spotlight. He says, it's blinding. Yep. And I was like, wow, okay. You know, so I was like, well, you know, teach me how to ground myself because I'm not a psychic by any stretch of the imagination. I need to know, you know? Mm -hmm. So he told me, he told me his thing and how to do it. And Brian mentioned something to me and then I called my team psychic and she mentioned something to me. So, you know, I got like three different versions of how to ground myself now. So I'm okay, you know, but, um, that was the craziest thing ever. I mean, never, not in a million years have I ever expected for anything like that to happen. You know, and um, if wild. those stones weren't set up around that tree, I would have never, I would have just thought it was a dream, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, that, that was just a crazy experience. When you when you were told to um, ground your feet to the ground, uh, does it have to be barefoot? It doesn't have to be barefoot, but it says it's, it's better if it yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's but, amazing. Uh, yeah, isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, I'm, and I was never, I'll be brutally honest, I was never a higher consciousness person, you know, mm -hmm. when people used to talk to me about higher consciousness and freaking vibration, I used to say, okay, you know, I'm open to it because I don't, I want to keep my mind open to all kinds of things, you know, but it wasn't who I was. And now it is, it's like crazy how I've, 
I've had this, you know, now I'm thinking all those years that I called all those people crazy, they were just <laughs> ahead, ahead of me on their ascension, you know what I mean? I'm sure um, some of them but, still uh, are, but... <laughs> <laughs> Brian, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, um, but um, no, but I mean, that was just, I mean, I guess it's like, uh, like, like Arizona said, he said, this is a life-changing experience, you know, he goes, you're not who you used to be anymore. He said, because there are far and few between people who are giving this sight, you know, are giving this knowledge. And he goes, you have like uh, a direct hotline to the knowledge in the universe. Now you can tap into whenever you want. And I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. You know, I wouldn't even, I have, I've never done it because all my years of doing martial arts mm -hmm. and I've done it my whole life. And we used to meditate in the dojo I could never calm my mind down. My mind was always racing 100 miles an hour. That's so me now, yeah. Able, I was never able to focus and just meditate. But um, according to everybody now, I, I should have no problem anymore. But um, And it's funny because I met a woman at, who told me, out of the clear blue sky, she says to me, she says, she doesn't know me from a hole in the wall, right? Mm -hmm. She comes up to me and she says, you're you're a, you're a Bigfoot hunter or something like that, and I was like, well, and I don't really hunt Bigfoot, but I do research, the, you know. Them. And she goes, they talk to you. She goes, I want to let you know they talk to you. And I go, what do you mean they talk to me? You know. She goes, telepathically. She goes, but you only you're only hearing them in waves. She said, because your mind is too um, busy. Yep. She says, but your mind is your mind is more um, calmer now. And she says, now when you go out, con re reach, she said to me, you should do meditation to contact them. You'll hear them loud and clear. She said, but you've heard them before. She goes, and she goes, because you've been drawn to locations or this, that, and the other thing. She goes, that's them talking to you, telling you to come back. Hmm. She goes, but you only heard them. And, and like, this woman was blowing my mind because, you know, I just bumped into her at an event and. She grabbed me out of the clear blue sky and she starts telling me all this stuff, you know, and hmm. she doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. And I was like, you know, because, you know, I get pulled to locations all the time. You know, yeah. I feel like I'm being drawn here or pulled there. And she says it's their way of communicating. She goes, and you hear them, but you hear them in waves. She goes, but now your mind is much more relaxed. She goes, when you go, next time you go out, sit down and meditate. And she goes they'll talk to you now because if you had an ascension. She had no idea I had an ascension. Mm -hmm. But she, she, I guess she just seen my aura, you know what I mean? She's like, you know, your aura is blinding, she said, and mm -hmm. um, you've had an ascension. And I was like, uh, how do you know, you know? And she's like, because I can see your aura and your aura is blinding. And I was like, holy crap, it really did happen, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm still doubting it, you know, but it's yeah. crazy, yeah. But um, so that was huh. that was you know that was just something I wanted to discuss because it's such a crazy experience, you know. I still don't believe it was true, you know. But um, if you want to talk about like um, the photographs I sent you, sure, you know, yeah. Um, you want to start off with Gettysburg? Sure. I, this is a place that I'd like to go sometime. Sorry, um, if you can hear the noise in the background, I have uh, one of my cats on the wrong side of the door. So he, it sounds like he's just trying to claw his way through the door. Uh, <laughs> he's not usually yeah. at the door when I'm when I'm doing this, but uh, my I, I got a cat 
that hates doors being closed. Yeah. Every time he sees a door closed, he's got to go over and pull on it for three hours or stand in front of it and cry. He, and then once you open it, he'll come in and then walk right back out. But if you <laughs> yeah. close that door behind him, he'll start yeah. all over again. I yeah. <laughs> it's just a, a pain in the ass. It's funny about... Um, so, so my last guest was Uncle Brian, Sir Brian Bowden. And him and I were saying um, how sensitive you are. Like, you've got the psychic abilities. And we both said that, yeah, he doesn't believe he does. And it's like, no, no, he, he totally does. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this, this is really, I'm kind of envious. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, it, it was mind-boggling. And you know what? Everyone I spoke to, like Arizona and my mm -hmm. team psychic and Brian all said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you had, an, I call it an awakening. They call it an ascension. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know the right terminology in, in the metaphysical world. But, um, and then for that woman to come up to me out of the clear blue sky and say, oh my God, your aura is like blinding. Who are you? And Sasquatch talks to you. And I was like, what? what? Wait, yeah. who are you? And, you know, where, you know, where are you from? You know, like all of a sudden, it's just like, boom. Like she must have been some kind of psychic because she was just boom, 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 boom. But it was like, talking to katie you know she's she was yeah. scary you know like last time i talked to katie on the phone i had her read a location and then she started reading me and i couldn't get off the phone fast <laughs> enough because i didn't want her to get to my dark side you know <laughs> i was like okay katie, i gotta go i gotta go <laughs> katie also has a very bright aura holy cow yeah i mean i mean she, but this woman was like it was like talking to her it was just scary she was just like boom 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 like one thing after it's just it just freaked me out you know it's like it even though i've been doing this for how many years you know forever when people st do stuff like that to you it's just it's mind-boggling and you can't you can't believe how well in tune they are with you know the universe that they can just read you like that and just mm -hmm. spit stuff out things they have no idea that you do or who you are and it just boom 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 right right down yep. the list you know it's just crazy but um this summer we took uh took my wife and i we went to uh, gettysburg for a vacation for a couple of days and um i sent you a bunch of photographs yep and we were we were at the cemetery no at the battlefield one night and um we were taking photographs i had i have a camera that shoots in infrared and full spectrum okay and i had a camera that shot in thermal and i had a camera that shot just regular regular vision you know and every time i took a picture i took a picture in all four spectrums of light because i wanted to see what came up and what didn't come up and um um so i was at the we were at the battlefield and I was taking pictures, and in one photograph, I think it was in the uh, night vision, infrared, in the infrared spectrum, there's a soldier standing just outside the tree line looking our way. It looks like he's looking our way, and it looks like he's got like something across his chest. I don't know if it's a canteen or bullets or whatever, and it's, it just looks like either he was a century or a guard on duty or whatever but he's just standing there one minute and all the other photographs that i took in he's not in any of them but in the in the infrared he's there and then i took another photo and then i was we went to another location and i was taking photograph 
of like rolling hills and, and you know and i think it was i want to say it was in full spectrum it was um it came out or it was in the full spectrum or or thermal i don't remember one of the two i don't remember what picture i sent you um you sent, is this the one can you see it uh, that, i can't see it but that yeah. looks like is that in green oh it's in blue okay that's oh, the, the and then there's a the, the and then there's a green one next to it yeah yeah, no, it was the, it was the one in blue. So that that okay. one was done. That one was shot in um, uh, full spectrum, mm -hmm. and that looks like somebody running across the battlefield. It does. I don't yeah. know if it, if, it, if it's a uh, somebody like a, a messenger re relaying a message or um, somebody charging or what. But I, I that was the one I caught. So that was pretty cool. Two different parts of the battle. The battlefield of Gettysburg is humongous and if you drive through it it will take you like five hours oh That's wow how big it is. i didn't realize it's it was in, that big it's insane hmm. and there's monuments of uh, so many different monuments from so many different people so many different states and the monuments are just drop dead gorgeous and i mean it's just it's just insane the battlefield is insane it took us like five hours to drive through it hmm. you know and um so then we were doing the tours and one of the locations was called the jenny wade house okay now jenny wade was the only civilian ever shot during the battle of gettysburg okay I'm just looking through the pictures that you sent me now yeah and that one is the picture of the door with the bullet holes through it okay yeah i'm looking at it right now yeah and right next to it there should be one in um full spectrum that yep. looks like a almost like a kitchen area or something yep okay i was standing there and i was taking pictures of the door with the bullet holes through it now this particular house wasn't actually jenny's house it was her cousin's house mm -hmm. her house was in the middle of the battlefield so she moved out wow. to the outskirts of town to get away from that because her cousin had just had a baby like two days before right mm -hmm. so she was there helping her cousin take it she was on her knees in that kitchen rolling dough when the bullets came through that door and hit her and killed her wow and she was the only uh, innocent uh civilian killed in that battle now i'm standing by that area where you roll the dough there's a little thing there that looks almost like a um uh, uh, some like a, some you may put a bit a child in. It looks like a playpen yeah. or something. Yeah. But that's actually something that rolled. It was a bread box, and they rolled the dough on top of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm standing there taking a picture of the door before the the woman is giving us the history of the house. I'm just in, and I feel somebody down low, like around my hip, pulling on my sh pulling on my shirt, not knowing that. Jenny was on her knees rolling dough when she got shot. So when I felt that, I turned around again. I'm, I'm shooting. I'm taking pictures in all four different spectrums of light. So every picture I took took a while because I went from one camera to the next to the next. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, I felt someone tugging on my shirt. So I turned around and I took pictures of that area. Um, but there was nobody there. And then the woman tells us that. Yeah, Jenny was on her knees rolling dough when she got shot. Because at first, when I felt uh, my shirt being pulled that low, I thought it was a child. Yeah. But she said the only child in the house was a newborn infant. But Jenny, when she was shot, was on her knees rolling dough. And I'm looking and at the picture of the door with oh the bullet holes. Looking at the picture here with the bullet holes, and there's two oh. up on top and then one lower. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. And there's actually, actually, there's a, a, a door, there's a room that goes off that room. And there's another door that was open that opens out into that um, kitchen area. Mm -hmm. So the bullets went through not only the first door, but the second door and hit her. And she wow. was down on her knees. What are the odds of being yeah. low to the ground and still getting hit through through two two solid wood doors, you know? Yeah, if she was were, crazy. If she would have been standing... I don't think the top bullets would have would have gotten her, but the other one probably it might not have been a, a fatal fatal shot as she was yeah, standing. Maybe shot her in the leg or something. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was it's just crazy. And then, you know, that was the one story. Then we went to another location which was called the orphanage. Okay. And in the beginning, when the orphanage was made, the woman who ran it was a very sweet woman, very good woman. She had some doctor from Philadelphia who um, would would um, get the money for the orphanage. Like he would he would have all kinds of events in Philadelphia and then they would send the money to the orphanage so that they could run the orphanage. Mm -hmm. Well, that woman ended up getting married and leaving and um, this other woman came in who was absolutely no good. Absolutely no good. She she tortured the kids. Oh. She, um, she beat the kids. She starved the kids. There's a little room down in the basement that looks like a prison cell that has like chains on the wall where she used to chain the kids up to she would have the older kids beat up the younger kids some of them to the point where they were killed and she would they would bury them in the yard like in the backyard mm -hmm. and um so i'm down in the basement and we're hearing all this, and then we go into this little room that you got to squeeze into you know like the doorway is really tiny you know it's meant for children not for a full-grown adult and um i'm taking pictures and i'm taking pictures and as i was leaving and I'm always the last guy to leave because I always want to get pictures behind me to, when there's nobody else in the room. You know, I, mean, I always wait for the tour to leave. Mm -hmm. And then I take my picture. I mean, I took pictures during the tour as well. But I also took pictures at the end when everybody would shuffle out to the next room. I told my wife, don't worry. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be there in two minutes. I would take pictures of all the rooms that were empty. And in upstairs in the dining area, I got two shadow figures on the wall. One looks like an old lady with a bun in her hair mm -hmm. facing me. And one looks like an older child behind her. Um, like a male child. It looks like a male to me. I mean, but it's a shadow figure. And I caught that and there was nobody else in the room. But man, I think that one was in um, inter, uh, uh, IR as well. I think that's in the green, green, uh, green screen. Yeah, so that was in IR as well. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Den you're looking at it, right? Yeah. And then we went downstairs into the basement where they used to chain the kids up. And it was funny. I was drawn to the back wall of the basement. Now, the basement's just a rock wall. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I was drawn to the basement, and I touched the wall. And the woman giving the tour says to me, you know, because she could see I had all my all my uh, metals, metals on, on and, my, and my stones and everything. Yeah. So she knew I came. I was there for, I was good. I was well protected, right? <laughs> and I said, and she made a comment about all those different stones I wore as well, you know. And um, so I went to the back wall and I felt the back wall, you know. And you couldn't tell that there was ever anything on this wall because it just looks like different stones. And I touched the back wall. And I felt the back wall and I got like this really, really sad feeling, you know, and I looked at her and I said, 
what's the deal with this wall? You know, like there's 30 people around me and like everybody's looking at me. <laughs> and of course, my wife, my wife is like, oh my God, you know, and uh, crazy guy here. <laughs> I, touched, I touched the back wall and I said, what's the deal with this wall? And she says, right where you're touching the wall used to be um, metal bracelets in the wall where they used to strap the kids into the wall. And she used to she used to chain the kids to the wall, but they took them out because they felt it was a little too much uh, for the small children who came on the tour to see those things there. Yeah. So they took them out. Um, but I just something drew me right to that spot, and I touched it, and I felt like I got this really sad feeling. And she explained to me as she would chain the kids to this wall, she would starve them to death. You know, just leave them there, like and forget about them. You know. But when I was when I went into that little room where they chained the kids up at, till we um, and we're, and she was telling us, you know, because you could only go in that room like one person at a time. So as I was leaving, I turned around to get a picture of the room uh, of the hallway leading to that room, and in the hallway, I think it's in it maybe in thermal because it's white. I think it's a white photograph. Yep, I'm looking um, at that one too. You could see a shadow figure of like a ghost there. Yep. You know, and it looks like, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a male figure to me. I can't tell, but um, it was like a shadow figure right there. But I couldn't see it with my naked eye, and it didn't come out in any other um, spectrum of light that I was using, you know. And um, so I seen this ghostly figure, so I was like, okay, I caught something here, you know, because I didn't tell anybody, because I didn't look at any of the photographs while we were doing the tour, because... I'm taking pictures with so many different cameras. I'm, I'm falling behind, <laughs> so I got to keep up with everybody. And then we went to this um, place in the middle of town. It was called Mrs. G's or something like that. It was an ice cream parlor, right? And up on the second floor is a balcony. It used to be a house, okay? Somebody's house or an inn or something. And I, so I took pictures of it again in all four spectrums of light that I was using. And I sent you two pictures, a regular, a regular picture, and then one in IR. And you can see the one in IR, if you, if you blow it up a little bit, it looks like, to me, a little girl with pigtails on the balcony. It does. Yeah, I'm looking Doesn't at it? it. Yep. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and that's why I sent you both pictures, so you could see the difference. Yeah. In, in regular light and then in, in the in the IR light, you know. And um, so that was that. Then we went to a place that was in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania, maybe 10, 15 minutes away. A friend of ours owns an inn. It's a haunted inn. Okay, and I sent you pictures of that place too. It's called the 1912 Hoover House. Okay, and it's a haunted inn. And uh, I want to give a couple of shout outs to Jim and Dave. And Steve and Pam, those are the owners, and J and uh, Bob and Carol are the are Jim's uh, sister and brother-in-law. They brought the table. They have three tables at this house. Um, one tips when you ask your questions. One dances around the room, and one actually elevates off the ground. Right. So Carol and Bob brought the one that tips because the spirit that's in it, God, I forgot the name of the spirit, but it's a woman. She only allows um, family members to come through and she only allows good um, family members that you have good rapport with, not anybody okay. that you had beef with during your life. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So we got there and um, 
we get like the best we get the best room in the house because there's nobody there but us so i got the run of the house i'm taking pictures of every room down in the basement that used to be a speakeasy down in the basement i'm taking pictures and we got pictures and i sent you a bunch of pictures they got like haunted dolls all over the yep. house and i mean the place is absolutely drop dead gorgeous Absolutely it looks gorgeous. gorgeous. That it, fireplace it, mantle, good grief. Oh, my God. The whole place is amazing. It's just beautiful, beautiful. The room meets David. Apparently, um, there's uh, used to be a nursing home at one point. Okay, It was a restaurant, a nursing home. And at one point, the, the room that we were in, apparently someone gets in bed with you. Okay, oh. at night. Yeah. So... Um, my wife went to bed one night. We went to bed like the first night we got there. My wife went to bed and she went to bed earlier than me. I stayed up doing my ghost stuff and um, we went to bed and she was in bed sleeping. So I get into bed a couple hours after her and I'm pretty all amped up from the night activities, you know, and hanging out with these people and meeting them and talking to them. And and Jim is a very psychic person, you know, he's got a very good um, abilities and, uh, I get in bed, and I'm laying in bed, and I, I can't sleep, and I feel like somebody gets in between me and my wife. But I'm thinking, you know, it's just my wife rolling over or something, right? So I don't pay any attention to it. And then it moves again. And then it moves again. So I get up, and I'm looking at my wife, <laughs> and I'm looking at her just to see if she's, you know, flip-flopping all over the place. Because she doesn't usually – I'm the flip-flopper. She usually mm. sleeps like a rock. So I'm looking at her. She's not moving, a, not an inch, she's not moving. So I lay back down and I feel it again. <laughs> so I turn to who's ever in front of us, in between us, and I say, listen, if you don't stay still, you gotta go sleep on the pull-out couch because I'm trying to sleep here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I said that, no more movement for the rest of the night. Oh, wow. It just, it was, it was hysterical. Like, they just stopped because they didn't want to sleep on the pull-out couch. They wanted to sleep on the king-size bed, you know? It would have been funny if the pull-out couch all of a sudden started Oh, opening. my God. That would have been great <laughs> if the pillows came off the couch, you know? That would have been great. But it was, it was amazing. Like, I've never experienced anybody sitting down next to me on a bed you know people say oh the bed went down mm -hmm. or it looks like there's a, there's somebody laying next to you i've never experienced that you know so to experience that movement like somebody actually laying down next to you and i felt you know next to me i didn't feel that it was any colder than where i was sleeping or any hotter but you could just feel somebody moving back and forth back and forth the following night we had what they called table tipping night okay now and what we did was in one of the living rooms, you'll see like a couch with a big rug on it. And in the, in the, they had two living rooms. One was a sitting room. One was like a TV room. Okay. Mm -hmm. The one without the TV. It had a big, uh, it had a big uh, um, uh, rug in the middle of the floor, like an area rug. Okay. We moved that couch out into the hallway. And we rolled up that rug. And we put it out in the hallway. So we had this giant area. And we put this table down in front of us. And me and my wife and Jim and Bob and Carol all sat around the table. And we put our hands on the table. Now, when they brought this table in, they carried it like a pizza box, right? <laughs> and the first thing my wife did was look underneath to see if there was anything yeah. underneath there, right? There is nothing underneath this, this, uh, this uh, table. And we sit there and we put our hands on it. 
And Jim says, the way we ask questions is we ask questions in our heads. And the spirit of the table can hear those and they'll answer you, okay? So nobody else around us can hear when we ask a question except the spirit of the table. So if the, the table, when the table answers you, it tips one way or the other. So I, we all sit there, we sit there, and um, they said, okay, Al, you know, uh, Jim says, um, Jim turns to me and says, oh my God, First, the table's going like this, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's good. And Jim says, "I go, what does that what does that mean?" He says, "That means two people are trying to come through at once." And he says, "Al, you got a line a line of family members out the door that want to talk to you." So I'm like, "Okay, you know." <laughs> so um, so so the table finally settles down, and he said, "Okay, now pick a family member in your head and talk to them." So. My first, my cousin Billy comes through, right? And um, so I'm testing everybody that comes through, right? So Billy, when we were a kid, he had this uh, 69 Chevy Impala, right? Nice. And the doors, the doors wouldn't even open up. We had to jump in and out of it like the Dukes of Hazzard. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and we called it the incredible Chevy because we did things with that car that no other car could have done, right? And um, so I get down and I go, hey, you know, in my head, I said, Bill, is this you? And the table tips. Okay. Nobody knows when I'm asking questions, so they they can't tip the table. You know what I mean? And I say, okay. Um, remember, is it tipping incredible- toward? Is it tipping towards you or just anywhere? No, it, it tips towards you. Yep. It tips towards you. So then I said, do you remember the incredible Chevy? And the table tips towards me. And I said, man, that was a cher- that cherry red was the most beautifulest color ever. The table didn't tip. Well, the Chevy wasn't incredible. The <laughs> that wasn't red; it was black. Right? <laughs> and then I go, "Oh, that's right. The, the the incredible Chevy was black." And then it tips, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, "Okay, you know, are you in a better place?" And they said, "Yeah, this, that, and the other thing." And then the table came up to me, like it just slid up to me. And Jim says, "That's the way of the table giving you a hug." And then the table slid back, and then Jim says, "Okay, he's gone. Someone else is coming through." He could feel a different energy come through the table, and he says, "Okay, you know." So then, and now it's my cousin Anthony, right? And I'm like, uh, "Hey, is this Anthony?" And the table tips, and I said, "Okay." And uh, again, I'm asking him all kinds of questions, and I'm, ch- I'm, I'm, I'm checking, you know, like um, it's funny because my cousin Anthony had a dark side, okay? And I said, "Are you with Billy?" And it tipped, and I said, "Is that a good thing?" You know, like, because I wasn't sure if yeah. Billy would have those guys were in a good place or not, you know, and it tips. And it's funny because my psychic calls me up a couple of days later and says, who's Anthony? And I said, that's my cousin. She goes, he wanted me to give you a message. And I said, OK, he says, he's telling me to tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> and, and wow. I go, and, and the reason he said that. Because I asked him if he was in a good place with Billy, if that was a good, and he got mad at me for saying that, <laughs> asking that question. So I was like, okay. But anyway, getting back to that night, Anthony had this, this beautiful black Trans Am, you know. So again, I got it. I got to I got to see if this is really Anthony. And I says, um, you remember, you know, that beautiful Riviera you had, you know, table didn't tip. So I said, oh, that's right. It wasn't a Riviera. It was a it was a Challenger. Table didn't tip. I said, oh, that's right. It was a transient table tipped. Okay, now Anthony leaves. And um, 
my my cousin John comes in. Okay, my this is my cousin John. Now my cousin John and my cousin Joe had a very very um, rough relationship. They're brothers, and mm-hmm. they fought over everything, you know. And they just fought over everything. And in the end, John was out of his mind. Okay, so John comes in, and I go, "Is this John?" And he says, "Yeah." Now my cousin John was like a brother to me. He taught me how to tie my shoes when I was five years old. He taught me how to drive a stick shift when I was like fourteen. You know. So, you know, so again, I'm, 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 I'm testing him. I says, this is really John. Um, do you remember when you taught me how to time a shoe when I was, a, when I was seven? Table doesn't tip. <laughs> I said, oh, it was six. Table doesn't tip. And I go, oh, that's right. It was five and the table tips. And then I said, do you remember when we, when you taught me how to drive the stick shift on that pickup truck? Uh, I think it was a GMC. Table doesn't tip. So I said, oh, that's right. It was a Ford table does that oh no it was an international table tip how many people know about an international trucks you know what i mean it's so yeah. old you know so um so then apparently mike my, my, one of my other cousins come in jim says okay there's a woman's energy here now and um but she passed away because of diabetes so i knew right away who it was and then that my cousin yvonne came through and she i asked her because my cousin leonora um, moved into her condo, and I said, "Are you, you know, are you at a good place?" And she said, "Yeah." I said, "Are you with your your brothers who have passed?" And she said, "Yeah, with her mother." And I said, "Are you happy with Lee did to your house?" You know, because my cousin Lee redid the whole place, and she was very happy with the way the place looks now. You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Okay." And she had a message for me to give to Lee, just like John had a message for me to give to my cousin Joe. You know what I mean? So I said, okay, I'll, I'll pass these messages along. Then the table starts going like this again. And Jim says, okay, um, there are two people coming through, two people fighting. Because I feel a man's energy and I feel a woman's energy. He goes, this may be your parents out. So eventually <laughs> the woman's energy wins out, right? And I've had at least three psychics, Katie included, tell me my mother's with me all the time. She's like my guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I says, this mom table comes over and gives me a hug okay Aww. are you with all oh, you with me all the time table tips okay and then um you know i started asking her personal questions and the table's going back and forth back and forth okay then my mother leaves and my father comes through and says okay uh this is my father and uh he says yeah and i says um my father loves his mustang he had a 65 green mustang was his pride and joy so I go, do you remember the 69 Mustang? And it doesn't move. And I go, oh, that's right. It was 65 and the table tips. And then I said, yeah, I said, that was, I said, it was at midnight blue, right? The table doesn't tip because <laughs> my father's Mustang was far as green. My father always said it's far as green, not green, far as green. So then I say, oh, it was, that's right. The Mustang was far as green and the table tipped. So when we got around to my father, who was uh who liked, liked to dance uh big band he was a big band guy liked the big band music and uh so we pulled all the furniture out of the way we rolled up the rug and this particular table is not a dancing table this table was the one that just tipped so when my father you know you got four people grown adults standing around a table with their hands on the table and the table starts dancing around the room like i used to tell my father I always used to say he used to like to cut a rug that was his thing you know yeah. 
And uh, so he was, we were dancing around, nice, nice. And then I said, okay, Pop, but what was your favorite kind of dancing? Which was, my father loved to tango, you know? And all of a sudden, the table starts doing twirls all around the room, or going to the right, going then turning around and going to the left. It, it felt like you were actually dancing with a woman and then you're twirling her, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was crazy. And, uh, and and then that was, you know, that was the end of that night because, uh, like, uh, Jim was saying, Al, you got a, a line of people out the door waiting to talk to you, but, you know, it was getting late and everybody was tired. And I said, you know what? I'll come back again next year and we'll pick up where we left off with the rest of the family that didn't get a chance to talk, you know? And yeah. um, and, and that was it. But, the, but it was just an amazing, amazing night, you know, because when you hear stories like this, like Jim and his partner, Dave, they have a podcast too to called uh, Keystone State because they're from Pennsylvania. And um, they always talk about table tipping. And I'm like, what the hell is table tipping, you know? Mm-hmm. And he says, I'll send you a video. And then they show, you know, you're watching the video with all these people around and the table's tipping this way. And, and of course, you know, everybody's cynical, right? Me being from New York, I'm the biggest cynical person in the world. And I'm like, I don't know about that, you know? (laughs) But But when you're doing it and you're asking the questions in your mind and the table is hearing your questions and answering you, it's an amazing experience. And Brian went there after I went there, you know? And he slept in the same room we slept in, but he didn't have the experience that we had in it. And I told him, whatever you do, don't leave that place without doing the table tipping, you know? I said, you gotta do the table tipping. And he did, and um, I believe, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe his wife's mom came through to her, and I think his father came through to him, you know what I mean? Um, But that's, you know, that's for him to talk about, not me, but, um, so, since I've mentioned Brian, I should also <coughs> mention that um, over the last year, we've filmed three different UFO documentaries. You guys have been busy. Yeah, we've been busy. Yeah, well, it's just crazy. People are calling me up, and you know, and Brian's like, just say yes to everything, you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so people were calling me up, and the first one we did was called Alien Invasion of the Hudson Valley. And the stars of the show were Ben Hansen and Mark D'Antonio and mm-hmm. Melissa Tittle. And those were the three stars. And um, we went out and we got them, most of the people that they interviewed. They asked us to help them out. And we, we got them. We got them most of their interviews. And then they, they wanted to go to a certain location but they couldn't get permission to go there. So they were gonna to go to a plan B, which was would have been horrible. And I said, no, I know another location that's much better than that. And let's go to this location. And then they scouted out the location I told them to go to. And we had an amazing evidence that night. I mean, um, even in the show, when they re- we, 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 they do the show, when I actually watched the show, they edited out at least two different crafts that came in. We got like four different crafts to come in. We wow. got like a mothership to come in, and it was a big. It looked like a big star in the sky, and then two tiny crafts came at it. Came out of that. One went around the tree, and everybody's saying it's a bird, but believe me, it's not a bird because this thing came right down to see what we were doing, and then went right back up. And then another one came out, and one went behind the 
tree line and then came up and then another one came out from behind tree line and that one attached to the first one that came out but there was an actual another one that came out to the tree line to our our left but the, for some reason they edited out the other stuff they only put in three and not five but they were blown away i mean hmm. you know when you see ben hansen right filming these stuff coming down and and he's giddy like a schoolgirl, you know <laughs> yeah this is a guy that's been in the business a long time and seen a lot of things you know and he was like he couldn't believe that you know we told him we were going to bring him in and we did you know and he just couldn't believe it he was like man you guys don't fool around you know i said i told you this location was much better than the other location and then we did another one for uh two independent filmmakers one is called um they're gonna premiere it i think next month at the oh the tribeca film festival in manhattan down in lower manhattan and uh i think that one is called star children of pine bush yes um they wanted a premiere at pine bush when we did our presentation but it was too complicated with mufon being there and you know yeah. um we we, re we were representing the new york state ufo project and they, you know, I guess MUFON put the kibosh on it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, it seemed like we had a lot of issues with MUFON that day. And, um, it's too bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't think they wanted to be upstaged by a little tiny local UFO group. You know what I mean? Um, and But um, so then we were going to do uh, a presentation at the Pine Bush Museum. And they were gonna, after our presentation, they were gonna show the film. And then I got the kibosh put on it. And um, they said, listen, can we reschedule for you for November? And I was like, um, you know what, at this point, let me talk to Brian, cause I'm kind of disgusted that we keep getting knocked out of the box and I don't even know if I wanna go there anymore. Um, but, um, so I talked to the, the producer of the film and I said, listen, you're still more than welcome to come and premiere it tonight, you know, if we talk, but we don't know what we're doing. If you want to talk to these people and maybe do a, a, a separate premiere, and we'll just come there for the premiere. This way you could do the Q&A with the audience. Mm -hmm. And they were like, um, you know what, Al? They've had a lot of issues, too. You know, with, I think they're kind of disgusted with Pine Bush and the museum. And they're like, I think we're just going to premiere it at the film festival, the Tribeca Film Festival in Manhattan. I was like, whatever you want to do. And mm -hmm. then we did another another one this summer for another independent film company. Again, they're all UFO films for some reason. They're all documentaries, all two-hour documentaries. And we filmed with them at a private location in Westchester um, that I picked out because the one they picked out was no good. And um, so we picked out a location, we filmed there, and um, they're still filming. You know, they're, they're a long ways away from putting everything together and editing and getting it out. So. We don't know um, when and where that's going to come out at this point, but we did invite them back to film us do a CE5 because we were supposed to do a CE5 at Pine Bush like we did two years ago when we brought a craft in. But again, somebody put the kibosh on it. I'm not saying it was Mufon, but, you know, that's just one man's opinion. And um, so because Mufon, listen to this, this cracked me up, Mufon. And I don't know if you're a MUFON member or not, but I'm no, just I'm, I'm just saying, MUFON has a radar that they use, right? This is this is what they said: we're not going to do the CE5 because we have a radar 
that we're going to shoot into the sky and whatever that'll uh, identify any planes or satellites or anything like that and anything else we see in the sky that we can't identify we're going to call it a ufo and i looked at them and i kind of scratched my head and i was like okay if that's what you're calling valid evidence mm. that's fine for you guys but that's not good enough for me i mm -hmm. said when we did our ce5 we actually brought a craft in you know a, a ship that did acrobatic maneuvers for us in the sky you know so you know so they put the kibosh on that but we're going to do it we're going to do another ce5 we're just not going to do it at pine bush we got another location picked out and we're going to call these filmmakers up in it because they really want to do they really want to film us doing the ce5 you know so we're gonna we're gonna have them come back probably within a couple of weeks or so and before it gets too cold and do a ce5 maybe we'll promote it and we'll get a lot of people to show up as well you know because what we did what i came up with as a plan b to the the ce5 because we got knocked out of the box what i did is when brian and i got up at pine bush to do our presentation in front of the, in front of the audience um i did two things different than anybody else did that day i did a q a with the audience none of the other speakers did that you know they just said what they had to say and left we did a q a and then after the q a was over before our time was up because we were the last guys we could we probably could have talked as long as we wanted yeah. you know and um <laughs> and we both could talk but um i hadn't noticed <laughs> no but um so what i did was i said listen and i was telling everybody during the day at the fair that was stopping by our boots and getting our cards and buying shirts and everything that that night at the at the main uh, pr uh center where they're gonna all the paranormal people where the some the symposium where all the celebrities were going to talk that night right next door to them is a, a patio with tables and chairs and everything and i said we're going to do an open meeting that night so anybody that wants to come by and sit nice. down and hear here because we didn't talk about our personal experience when we did the premise when we did the presentation we talked about all the filming that we did you know mm -hmm. for the different shows because if you want to come by tonight and you want to hear us and our personal stories we're going to tell them and if you have anything you wanted to talk about or your personal experiences everybody would love to hear about it you know and mm -hmm. then at that night we went back to the place and you know about maybe two dozen people showed up something like that 25 people showed up and we did an open meeting you know it wasn't going to cost anybody anything mm -hmm. and they heard our stories and they told their stories and it and it worked out great you know it was a perfect plan b so um it just kind of worked out good for us and we weren't sure if we were going to rub the anybody the wrong way by doing that and so we, i told brian we'll probably never get invited back ever again for this but you know what they were charging like fifty dollars a head to go see the to go see the the celebrities, you mm -hmm. know, and we were right outside the side door at the patio. We weren't charging anything, you mm -hmm. know. So uh, <laughs> we, it was it was a nice crowd. Let's put it that way. Easier so, to ask for forgiveness and permission, right? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Excuse me, but at that point, I was so frustrated with all the obstacles that we ran across because mm -hmm. for the last seven years we were on the we were on the um organization organizing board you know the board for yep. the organizer we were part of the board and we got knocked out of that and we were the ones who set up the paranormal center 
And I was the one who gave the organizer all the names of all the paranormal groups to invite up to do presentations and stuff. And then Wufan got involved, and the paranormal side of the uh, fair went away. That's you know? too bad. And to me, it was like, I'm reading, I'm reading material, I'm reading a lot of MUFON material lately, and now they're trying to incorporate the paranormal with the UFOs, okay? So if that's the case, you know, like everything is connected, right? Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then why get rid of the paranormal center, or, you know? Um, so I don't understand it, but I said, you know what? It's not my gig. I'm, I'm just an invited guest, so we, we left it at that. And um, but um, all in all, the fair was a beautiful was a beautiful day. They had like ten thousand people there. Wow. And Brian Brian sold a lot of shirts. He had all kinds of shirts from all of our groups, and people were just going crazy for them. And um, yeah, we had a nice crowd under the tent too. You know, a solid fifty to seventy-five people hung around for us, and you know, we're nobodies. You know. But they hung around for us to hear our stories, and we had a we had a good um a good crowd, and we you know of course you always get that one guy in the crowd who's got to be like the debunker, right? Yep. And it was, this is a great story. He starts saying, "Well, if um if these if these ships are coming from uh you know a hundred light years away, um how are they getting here? Because there's nothing faster than the speed of light." And that Brian goes, well, "You're wrong. You're wrong." He goes thought is faster than the speed of light so the guy goes oh you're being cute so, the so they start going back and forth right and mm -hmm. the guy says well you know and i'm trying to explain to the guy you're looking at it in a 21st century mindset you know speed of light and all this and that and that says you know physics as we know it doesn't apply to them and you know maybe the speed of light doesn't apply there's something faster than that too but you know, i'm trying to explain to the guy they're probably opening up portals and they're coming through that way you know mm -hmm. so brian goes listen if you want me to break down the formula for you get me a goddamn blackboard and i'll break it down for you <laughs> and i'm laughing hysterical I'm like oh no you I know just picture him I saying mean, that uh, i mean it, it was it was great and you know after brian said that to the guy the guy kind of step back and he actually he actually hung around afterwards and came up to us after and actually had a, a civil conversation you know what i nice. mean yeah. but it, it was it was so funny i thought i can't believe he just said this to that guy you know, in front of 75 people you know get me a blackboard i'll do the i'll do the yeah. but um so that's what we've been doing and we're very very busy and i've done a a hundred investigations between last time i was on and now and we that's can't even touch on them because that's like you know they're eight hours worth of shows. But you know, whenever you're ready, you you, you, you ask me, you invite me back on, and Anytime. I can send you I can send you photographs of all the stuff we captured and all the stuff I've done separately on my own. And oh, just I mean, amazing, amazing stuff as far as paranormal goes. It's just crazy. But um, um, lately we've been doing a lot of Bigfoot stuff. Okay. Before we get and, to the Bigfoot stuff, can okay. I just can you just explain to the listeners who might not know what a CE5 is? Oh, sure. A CE5 is called the close encounter of the fifth kind, and that's when you get a group of individuals who all focus on the same thought at the same time. And the thought is we want to make contact with you. Could you come down and show yourself? And usually there's a meditation that goes along with it to try to calm everybody's thought process down. Um, 
Brian has his own. Brian does his own thing. I think he uses bar, uh, some kind of beats. Uh, some kind of beats. I don't know what it's called. And uh, some people like to use Dr. Greer's meditation thing. Me personally, I go with Native American music. It seems to calm me down and bring me to where my mind has got to be. So, but Brian usually leads that into uh, a meditation, and um, and then everybody's thought is focused on you. Get you get all these like-minded people's thought all focused on one thing, and it's like it really, you know, it's really like a beacon. It goes up into the sky, and these crafts that are there, they they hear it, they see it. I don't know, but they come down and they show themselves, you know. And we've done this a bunch of times, you know, and. I think every time we've done it, we've we've brought something in. You know, like there was one time we were doing it with a group of people, and Brian said, "Take a picture over my shoulder." We were by the Hudson River, right? We were. Mm -hmm. You want that water, that conductor, you know that. And Brian said, "Take a picture over my right shoulder." I believe there's something there. Now I'm looking at the sky. There's nothing in the sky. I snap a picture with my incredible little Sony camera. I I'll pull it back up and. Sure as shit, there's a craft in the sky in the photograph, and wow. he's not. He's done that. He hasn't only done it once. He's done it like two or three times. Where he'll tell me, take a picture over this shoulder, and you know, you look up in the sky, you don't see anything, but you take the photograph, and something appears in it. You know, and it's not a bug or a bird or a dust. You know, I mean, you 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 make it bigger, and you can actually see like an energy field around this craft. You know. So, you know, we, we've been very successful with it. And I don't know if it's just him, me, a combination of both of us or the people that actually show up for this and everybody wants to make contact, you know. Um, uh, so that's what a CE5 is. I think we Brian doesn't like to use the terminology CE5. He calls it, um, uh, what does he call it, uh, intelligent uh, interactive en en encounter. AIE, something like that. AIE, and a, uh, something to that effect. I think those mm -hmm. are the initials he breaks it down to, and the EIA or something like that. And uh, that's what he calls it, not to call it a C five, but because um, we don't want to get, he, he thinks we're going to get sued if we use C five. So he, he <laughs> broke it down to a, dish, a different uh, initial uh, variance. But um, anyway, we have a lot of fun with that, and we have a lot of success with that, and. Um, you know, and we take it one step at a time because it's so hard to really investigate UFO sightings because by the time you hear about it and you get there, it's gone. You yeah. know, unless it's landed and left some kind of residue, radiation on the on the on the ground, or some kind of uh, fluid for you to find and bag, or you know, it's so hard to investigate them unless you're there. But when you do these things, you see fives, and they come down. And and you and everybody sees this, and then you ask it to do maneuvers, and it does. I mean, the oohs and ahs you get from people is mind blowing, you know, because people just like they can't believe what they're seeing with their own two eyes, you know. And uh, it's very it's very exciting, you know. Lucky, knock on wood. Lucky for <laughs> us, we've we've never lost any time doing it. So until we don't lose, yeah. So as long as we don't lose any time or people, we're going to continue to do it. <laughs> so that's the CE five. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so now, recently, I've uh, one of my neighbors is um, a logger. He's in the logging industry, mm -hmm. and um, 
So he goes out and he buys big lots of land all over the East Coast and you know, a lot up here uh, around where I live. And um, so whenever he does, you know, we'll either we'll, we'll take a Saturday, we'll go out and we'll go shooting on the property. You know what I mean? And have some fun shooting. But he'll he always calls. He'll call me up and he'll say, you know, I was cutting down trees. I was marking down trees, marking trees for my guys to cut. And, you know, I'm getting tree knocks, I'm hearing whoops, and this and the other thing. So whenever he hears anything like that or he sees any a tree structure, he calls me immediately and he says, Al, you got to come up here, you got to take pictures, da, da, da. And I usually go up with him the following Saturday and um, and they'll show me the structure. And sometimes the structures aren't there anymore, you know. Like, they, they break them down for some reason. They take them down, you know. But I've got a lot of uh, photos. We got about seven different sites now that we're working on <laughs> and uh yeah the so pictures I, that you sent me would be you know site five site six you know it's like good grief, yeah. how many sites are there yeah, yeah and i'm sending you pictures uh, uh, i'm sending you pictures of footprints and all kinds of stuff and tree structures and well we had one of the sites uh, let me think of what it was one two three site four i think it is <laughs> off the top of my head i actually have a gifting site going okay and it's the craziest thing one day you know i heard some screams coming out of the woods okay i was up there shooting and i heard some screams come out of the woods and i was like okay somebody is not happy that i'm up here shooting you know and um so i left and i came back the next day and where the target was was a quartz crystal stone so I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, I know that they gift quartz crystal stones. It's, it's, it's one of their favorite stones to use. I don't know if they use it for energy or what. Mm. But um, so the next time I went up um, next to the quartz crystal stone, which is a path. There's a path there. Which next is quartz crystal I put a little yellow toy, like a child's toy, right? And I left, came back the next day, and... There was a, uh, there was, uh, the toy was gone. And now there was a log in the road, like a log on the path, like nothing. So I went up the path, even though the log was there, I guess telling me don't. And I found a footprint. And I don't know if it's the ball of the foot running up the hill and the dirt moved or the back of the heel of the foot as it came down and the dirt moved. But I took a picture of that. And um, so we, we started this, this crazy um, thing. So I put I put this uh, I, so I take the stone, I leave the yellow thing, I come back. This, the yellow thing is gone. I come back with a yellow golf ball. Put a yellow golf ball on the on the log. I come back the next day. There's two yellow golf balls. So I said, hmm, this is interesting. So then I started playing with string. I put a blue string on a tree, and I come back, and the next day the string is tied in knots. So I said I I, I reached out to a couple of uh, researchers that I know in the Bigfoot field some new guys, some old guys who I always pick their brains you know, you always have to have that senior guy whose brain you can yep. pick, you know and um, they tell me, yeah, and then uh, they're telling me, yeah, they, they, they all tie strings and knots, and a friend of mine who's a, a Bigfoot researcher in Connecticut, uh, Berkshire Mountain Bigfoot, his name is Chris Reinhardt great guy, should have him on one time he does a show too, and um, he sent me a picture, he goes this is I did the same thing what you did with the string and they did the same thing to mine. They tied knots in it. Okay. So I was putting all these different color strings up and they were doing all kinds of different things with the strings. 
And then I put an orange golf ball down. You know, I put a orange golf ball, and I came back the next day, and there was another orange ball there. So I had this epiphany. I was like, wait a minute. They could see in color. You know, always thought that they could see in IR. You know, they see the IR lights from the trail mm -hmm. cams and all that stuff. I'm positive that they can see in IR. They had night vision. But I thought they were like a dog. They seen them black and white. Yeah. But I put up I put up a yellow string. They put something else yellow. I put up an orange string. They put something else orange. I put up a blue string. I swear to God, I went, I went through like 10 different color strings. And every time I put a different color, they would put something else in return the same color. You know? Which just blew my mind. Just blew my mind. And um, so then we have... I wonder where they're getting all these... Huh? I wonder where they're getting all of these. Just from other gifting no sites, maybe? We're in the middle of the woods. Yeah, and it's I your friend's know. property, right? Yeah, it's my friend's property. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure if you went a, a hundred acres in any direction, you'll probably come across somebody's house. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're getting them in these people's yards. They're finding, People have kids. They have, they're finding toys. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, um, so we're doing all this gifting. And then one day there was... Uh, a, a, a fish a half eaten fish like someone grabbed the fish took a bite and put it on the log like a gift for me you know Sharing. I'm, like, no. I'm like no thank you I'm not taking the fish uh, thank you very much I left the fish there and then um, I went back the following day and there was a couple of bones from like a deer bone like a leg from a deer I remember and the picture still, you sent me yep. it still had the membrane on it and I was like, oh, I'm not taking any of these deer bones home either. You know, my wife would kill me if I came <laughs> home with, you know, deer bones. And I left them. And then the next time I went, there was a deer skull with antlers and everything. Again, it still had the membranes on it. And I was like, holy crap. I said, I'm reaching out to all these people. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I don't know because, you know, I don't usually, I don't usually gift. And if I gift, it's never food. I never give food. I'll gift whistles. I'll gift marbles, stuff like that. But I, I never gift food. I don't want them to associate me with food. You know, yeah. toys are one thing, but food is totally out of it. And then another guy said, no, no, no. Everybody's telling me, no, they're just being friendly. That's a gesture of friendship, you know, that, um, that skull. So I took the skull, and I gave it to a good friend of mine who has who's a hunter and he has all kinds of skulls and everything from all kinds of animals. He loved it. He wanted it. So I gave it to him, you know? And so I, I didn't want to keep offending them by night taking their gifts. Then I go back one day and there's a turtle shell, just a regular turtle shell, no turtle. I'm like, okay, that's interesting, you know? And I don't remember what I left. I always, always leave something, whether it be, you know, a piece of string, a marble, uh, um, a little ribbon, something like that. I always leave a little something. I don't want, want to leave empty-handed. And I always leave something. Then I went back the following day, you know, and the turtle shell is uh, in a, is upside down, like on its back, like almost like a bowl. And there's two dead, fresh moles in the bowl. Oh, wow. If you look at the picture of the turtle shells I sent you, um, there's a picture of just a shell, then there's a picture of the upside down. And it has, if you make it bigger, you'll see two moles inside of it. I'm looking at it now. 
Uh, you'll see two molds inside. Oh, wow. You see them? Yeah. Yeah, they, there's two black molds. Like like they were offering me food. You huh. know, so one, so one day, I don't know what it was, something said to me, you know, I should just start taking pictures all around this area just to see if I get anything in the photographs. So I just started taking pictures all the way around. And this is a big, big area, big, big mountain and everything else. And I took close-ups and I took faraway shots. And uh, I didn't see anything in any of them. Sent them to Brian. And, of course, Brian's Mr. Eagle Eye. He <laughs> sends it back. You got a picture of a Bigfoot on top of the hill. And you'll see in the, the pictures I sent you, I got, got a blue circle around it. One is a close-up and one is a far-away shot. Just to show you how far away it was, the distance. And I would—I didn't see it up there. I was just taking random photos of the mountain, you know. Yeah. But Brian seen it, and Brian circled it and sent it to me. He says, you got something, you know. You have a big boy watching you from up on top of the hill, you know. So that was very interesting. And then, then at one point... They took the turtle shell. I guess they took the moles and they must have ate them because I didn't take them. They mm. took the turtle shell and they flipped it back over the right way. And they stuck four feathers in the back. Yeah. I sent you those photographs yep. too. And again, I'm calling people all over the United States and Oregon and Washington, up in, up in Connecticut, down in Florida. And I'm like, have this ever. And, and everybody's telling me, this is something they do. They love gifting feathers for some reason. Now, I don't know what kind of feathers they were. I don't know if they were hawk feathers or geese feathers or duck feathers or yeah, what. Yeah, black feathers, but, so I don't know. No, they are brown feathers, I think they were. Okay. And they were all, and they were lined up with, with four. I don't know what the, what the, what actually, if there's a special thing with four or hmm. just, that would happen to be the amount of feathers they took. But I left them there. I took pictures of it. I take pictures of everything. And then I came across what looked like to me um, a grave site. Tons of little rocks in a row with this giant megalithic stone at the head of it. And it looks like a headstone. And I took two pictures of it. One from facing it and one from behind it. Because to me, there's no reason for this to be in the middle of the woods. There are no um, cemeteries like... Um, settler cemeteries in the area you mm -hmm. know what i mean because yep. every now and then you'll find you'll come across them in the woods um nothing like that but there's at these giant giant it looks like a burial site to me and i i sent you those photographs yep. as well i'm looking at it now yeah, yeah. and um oh and folks just, all the all these photos will be in the youtube video as well so um you'll be able to see all these these uh photos so uh, just it it it'll be on the YouTube video. Yeah, and um, yeah, and it's just it's just it's just it's just one day, you know. I seen it out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, "What's that?" And I went over and I looked at it, and I was like, hmm, "I wonder if this is like a sacred site for them, and, and they bury their dead there, or if this one because there's only one burial there, mm -hmm. if this was like a clan leader." You know what I mean? A father figure. Mm -hmm. And and maybe that's a reason why there always seems to be creatures in that area. Maybe they're keeping an eye on it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
I honestly I don't know if that's the case, but um, we plan on going back there. I was looking at tents today, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna buy. We're gonna get a tent that sleeps four people. Because me and Brian are big boys, we need a big tent, and <laughs> I'm gonna get one of those privacy tents for our bathroom. You know, and um, we're gonna go back to these locations and before it gets too cold, and um, see what happens during the course of the night. You know, um, like again, like I said, I'm doing a lot of research now with um um natural um um uh uh i can't think i can't think of the word now the na the the natural uh, like radiations of the of the earth you know what mm -hmm. i mean and the electromagnetic energy and i'm doing all kinds of stuff like that and I, as a matter of fact just bought this brand new camera that shoots in ultrasound now really yeah, they don't make, they only make um, microphones that'll go down to, I think, 10 megahertz or, or something like that, 10 hertz, be, or six, 16 hertz, because anything under 20 is ultrasound, okay? Infrasound so think, or ultrasound? Infrasound, I'm sorry, yeah. infrasound, yeah. infrasound. Yeah. Anything under 20 hertz is infrasound, yeah. right? And the, I had to buy a special microphone to record an infrasound. Because infrasound is dangerous to us. It yep. can kill us, you know? Yep. And mine only goes down to 16. But they say anything below 10 is dangerous to the human, uh, to our condition, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It can mess up our organs, our blood vessels, or whatever. So they only, they'll only sell ones that go down to 16. So you're barely, you're getting infrasound, but you're getting at, a, like, its highest levels, you know what I mean? Mm. But still, I want to. So these are microphones. It. Yes. Hmm. So I want to record it when we go out and we do this, just to see if we pick up anything that we're not hearing with our, our ears, and play it back on a little um, battery-operated um, uh, amplifier. You mm -hmm. know. Yeah. And see if we hear anything. You know. Uh, so yeah, that's my new thing. It's all like environmental uh, readings. I'm just I've been doing this thing with environmental readings and I got like I said I got like 10 different instruments that read different uh, environmental uh, areas and um, it's funny how things you know change when these creatures are in the area mm -hmm. you know different energies different frequencies everything seems to change and, you know and of course you know we enhance that too with, with our um Technique, techniques that we use to put um, frequency and vibration out in, in the elements, you mm -hmm. know? So, yes, we're, we're changing it to an effect when we do it, but we're monitoring the change as we do it, so we know if it changes, you know, 10 degrees, it's because of us. And then we stop doing it, and when these creatures come in, it changes again. It's crazy. I don't want to get into it because it's so complicated <laughs> and there's so many different um, meters that I'm working with right now. We haven't really put all the data together yet and, and dotted all the all the I's and crossed all the T's, but mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting and it's uh, amazing how in the environment changes when these creatures come into the area, you know, so. That infrasound so microphone really interests me. 
Yeah, you know, I was trying to get something like at ten, you know, at least ten. Mm-hmm. But um, they're like, no, you can't order one. Uh, that's you know, only the military's allowed to have those. You know, uh, we 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 make um, ones for the general public that go down to sixteen. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'll take sixteen then. You know, because <laughs> as you and I, I know, get, you know, as you and I know, I think it was back in the forties and fifties. Some governments were using infrasound as uh, weapons. You know, you don't hear it, but you sure do feel it. Oh yeah, when I remember. God, must be 15 years ago, my son and I used to watch a show. It's called um, Future Weapons or mm-hmm. something to that effect. And they showed the military using these big, like, tank-like trucks with these big satellite. It looked like a satellite dish, like a parabolic mm-hmm. mic dish. Yep. On these trucks. And they, they have, like, a, a, a hundred soldiers or who are the guinea pigs, right? They're supposed to be the other army. And then this truck rolls in. And it hits them with this infrasound, and these guys all just drop like bowling pins. No fighting, no nothing, yep. because it's making their 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 organs uh, like bubble. Their blood yep. is bubbling, and the fluids. And I mean, people are getting sick, throwing up. There's probably blood bleeding from every orifice. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was just getting it. It was blood yep. bleeding out of their eyes and nose and ears, and they didn't even have the thing turned up, you know, high. Because this was just like a military. They were just showing how these these weapons, these uh, these new um, sound weapons and um, energy weapons affect us, you know. And I was like, I looked at my son. And I turned to him and I said, "You see these? See these weapons? Yeah, these mm-hmm. these, these are all weapons." Like that said, and my son thinks I'm crazy, right? And I said, "These <laughs> laser beams, these sound weapons, these these energy weapons." They're all created to defend us against alien races, I told them. I said, there's no doubt in my mind that they got these technologies from different alien races to use on different alien races, one against the other. Maybe the light weapons against this race, sound Mm -hmm. weapons against that race, and vice versa. I said, because we've been killing each other with bullets for hundreds of years. They work just fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't need this kind of weaponry to use against us. We're we're easy, you know? Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me and was like, Dad, you've drank in the Kool-Aid, you know? <laughs> I was like, why else? Think about it logically. Why else would they need these kind of energy weapons, mm-hmm. right? And that's just, that's just one man's opinion. But anyway, you know... Um, so I hope I hope you I hope we covered everything. All the photographs I sent you, like I said, I don't want to yeah. overwhelm you with everything because it's, I got two years of investigation since the last time we talked, and I got I've done so many paranormal investigations, so much stuff. It's just like thousands and thousands of photographs, and uh, I'm the worst when it gets when it comes to going through evidence. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I just like to do the investigation i really don't like to do <laughs> the tedious do. <laughs> part and look through pictures or listen to um listen to audio and stuff like that so i mean i'm the worst at it but you know every now and then i i i, I force myself to do something and <laughs> i find stuff like with the with the which we call the gettysburg stuff and i found mm-hmm. those two soldiers out in the in the night you know that was pretty cool and stuff like that, that. is pretty but, cool yeah, yeah. Wow. All right, Kath. I think we, we touched on everything. So. I think so. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's good seeing it's you It's always again. fun having you on. It's been, 
been a long time, you know. Yes. And I got a ton of other stuff if you ever want to have me back that I could send you I and do. talk about. Okay. Anytime. Okay. Well, you're the you're the you're the you're the boss. You you have to invite <laughs> me. I can't invite myself. You know what I mean? Actually, so. yes, you can. There's a, there's a select <laughs> few that I would say invite yourselves. It's okay. You're one of them. So you're you're like family. <laughs> oh, I mean, you much. and Brian. <laughs> you know. And... I'm glad I made that list. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to tell listeners where they can find you? Yeah, sure. You got you, you can find us at the Bronxville Paranormal Society. On Facebook, um, the New York State UFO Project on Facebook, um, the uh, New York State Sasquatch Organization, again, that's on Facebook, and uh, the New York State Dogman Project. We, we used to be affiliated with the North American Dogman Project, mm -hmm. but we're kind of um, branching off and doing our own thing, you know, and so we, we're going to... We, we changed the name to the New York State Dogman Project, and um, but you can find us on Facebook or Brian's got us set up on every social media platform there is. I do most of my stuff on Facebook. I just don't have the patience to jump all over the world to find talk to people and find stuff. Though, so if you want to reach me, you can reach me on Facebook as well, and um, that's it. And Uncle Brian's usually banned from Facebook anyway. As a matter of fact, he's <laughs> banned at jail. the moment. <laughs> and I had to promote his. He's doing a radio a radio interview this week, I think. And uh, he sent me he sent me the banner today, and he's like, "Can you promote this for me?" I, I, I'm still uh, suspended for like another uh, two weeks, and I was like, "Yeah, just send it to me, and I'll and I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll promote it." He says I'm like the best promoter there is. I send stuff everywhere, you know. So I was like, "Yeah, send it to me." So whenever he can't do it because he's being banned. He sends it to me, and I post it for him. So you got it this morning, I think, right? Yes, the I did. One with yep. the collider, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. tonight, I think, at eight thirty. Oh, it's tonight. It's tonight. I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even realize what night it was. Okay, he just said promoted, so I promoted it. You know, I could be wrong. I'd have to take a look at it again. So. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I didn't look at the day. I didn't look at anything. I just I copied it, copied the link, and I just started promoting the hell out of it. Yeah. And shared it. Um, this way, you know. People could go and listen to it, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be interesting because Brian is, you know, he's he's got he's one of those guys who's got like photographic memory. He can read something and remember it word for word. Twenty five years later, I can't remember what I read twenty five <laughs> seconds after I closed the book. Same here, you know brother. I mean? <laughs> but I mean, he's is he's just a sponge. He is. He's amazing. Yeah, it should be an interesting interview tonight with him as well. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Thank well, you thank again, Kat, for inviting me on. Thank you so much, it's Al. It was a pleasure. I love you to death. You know love that. You too. And, yes. Uh, and the last few interviews you've done that I've listened to, I actually had a chance to. I thought were both fabulous. So thank you. You know, keep rocking. I will, and thanks for okay. your support too. Oh, uh, no problem. You know. Ben, I was there in the beginning, you know, when you were just a news girl on Trev show. Right? I know. Oh my god! Strange news. Remember that? Yes, and I was so nervous doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that That's was, funny. and I used to send you stuff that I would find that was strange. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Yeah, because yeah, like I find it, it can be difficult sometimes trying to find strange oh, news like that. You absolutely. really got to do a lot of digging. Yeah, no, you have to. You have to do a lot of research to find just like a ten-second tidbit of a material. Mm -hmm. It could take you a week to find, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah.
That's 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 why I said when I came across stuff like that, I actually sent it to you because I know how difficult it is to, to to find that kind of stuff. But man, that was a long time ago. How many years ago was that? Oh, was I in in Alberta or was I still in Ontario? I don't remember. At don't least remember. five years. At least that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time ago. Wow. Been a while. Good times. <laughs> okay. Thanks again, Al. Thank you, Kat. You take care. My pleasure. Ciao. Ciao. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 